You're listening to the Driven by Design Awards Wrap. I'm Mark Bergen, and joining me this week is Tony Mulvaney. Tony. Hi. Now, Tony, you're from um, Zero, and you're the Product Design Director here. What the hell does that mean? Well, good question. Um, yeah, we, uh, it's my job uh, as one of the Product Design Directors. We have um, four across all four regions. you like a boy band? Similar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you saw the others, you would think that. Um, yeah, it's our job to um, really uh, work out how we should build things, work out what the true need is, empathise with customers, um, and then suggest the best approach um, for creating those features or those interactions. Um, and we now, have... now, you're a public listed company, aren't you? That's right. I can tell by the <laughs> level of over-definition that you've got there, you must be a publicly listed company. So, so basically, you're the heroes that make astounding increases in the customer experience. We try. There you go. Yeah. Fantastic. So, Tony, we're going to go through and we're going to, as we always do, we'll look at nine projects here. And as yet, nobody's actually emailed us and asked us why it's nine projects. So maybe somebody will do that um, after they've just heard me give that challenge there. But we're going to go through nine projects. And uh, But before we do that, let's have a little bit more of a chat about what's been going on in our, in our worlds. Um, uh, I've been off to um, Hong Kong. I've just arrived back where I've been at Knowledge of Design Week. Very nice. It was interesting to go see that the Hong Kong government are so so focused on how do they get people included using design in their community. Anything included, that's interesting. So what they've seen is that the systems approach to design, they're able to go help them deal with ageing and also um, wealth disparity issues that are taking place in Hong Kong. Um, a couple of years ago, they had a major litter issue and they started to go use design interventions to make it more enticing for people to not litter. And actually, while I was there, I saw them delivering basically the same mechanical shape um, multi-waste bins, but it had more of a um, relaxed artwork on the front, which made it actually more consumer-friendly. And I thought, gee, that's interesting. So it was making it just more friendly to go actually throughout rubbish. Uh, rather than feeling that it was an autocratic thing, because for those of you that haven't been to Hong Kong recently, it's a city full of signs, signs that tell you in two languages what you can and can't do, mainly what you can't do. So to turn around and actually give that little bit of relief and make it more enjoyable for people is the way that they're actually trying to intervene and, and, and get their litter problem solved. When I was um, listening to the various sessions at Knowledge and Design Week, it was interesting to hear how many global experts they were bringing in to try to accelerate how Hong Kong could solve some of their issues around inclusion from age, uh, how could they go solve some of their medical and mobility issues that were there. Just fascinating. What's been going on for you in the last week? Yeah, well, um, this week we produced a couple of really interesting studies, research studies, um, on some very specific areas um, uh, in some specific markets. Um, we uh, have now a lot of insight into um, one of the problems that we need to solve. I love this. You're, you're, <laughs> you are so constrained. And, and so I've got to help both the listeners and you here. Um, so you, you've done research which is going to help you to some of the, the opportunities in the future for the business. But if you tell me too much about it, you're going to have to kill me. Is Correct. that right? Yeah. yeah. It's all about identifying those pain points um, and without talking to the customers, we don't know. Yep. 
And I suppose that's one of the things, as a zero customer, um, that's one of the things I see is that your product does evolve and change, and you seem to get that right each time. I haven't seen a bounced release that you've had, um, so you're obviously doing the right things by being... You didn't notice it then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was when my accountant said, have you been doing your... No. Um, so, all right, so, so that's that's good to hear that you're still doing that. Um, I've got a book that I've been getting, getting my... Um, eyes across, which is transformations, the seven roles to uh, to drive change by design. I'm not sure it's going to be up there with Jane Austen as a bestseller, <laughs> but, um, but I actually found this book really interesting because a couple of the projects that we look at today are organisations that are probably, you know, their staff would be more comfortable reading a book than they would be going along to a lecture or a conference here. Great case studies that are in it. Um, we'll have links up on the site so that people can actually work out how to go find this. A great digest for managers who are trying to work out how to build the design culture in their organisation. So I'm, um, I'm about halfway through it. I'm, can I have a copy? <laughs> look, I'll, I'll do the thing that I do with a lot of books. I hate having books on shelves. So what I'll do is when I'm finished, I'm going to put in, this book was read by Mark Bergen, and then I'll get you to do the same, and then we'll see we'll if we can get it. it right? yeah, yeah. And we'll put a hashtag in there so that people might gram that they've got the book. Let's see, <laughs> let's see how far we can make this book Send go. Send it around the world. Eh? Yeah, that's right. That's it. Like the chain book. So we'll give that a try. So let's get into our nine projects here. And, uh, and for listeners, we have had a pre-conversation about this. Um, so if you hear us referring to, we've spoken about it before, that's, uh, that's what we're doing there. So why don't we kick off here, um, Tony, our first project, Bright Green Linear Profile Collection from Bright Green in product design, commercial and uh, in industry. Um, what did you think of the product when you saw it? Um, I thought it was um, interesting in that it made um, lighting look like an integral part of architecture. I think the example shown on your website, on the awards website, probably, um, given that they were very clinical and minimalist, um, probably suited the lighting best. Um, but the system feels like it's considered rather than um, an addition or um, necessarily a feature or something almost considered superfluous. Um, it felt appropriate for those spaces. Um, and. Um, yeah, aesthetically quite striking. Mm. I've got to actually fess up. I started off as a photographer and then became a lighting designer. So for me, this this is a little bit like, oh gosh, it's a lighting product, and uh, <laughs> and, and, and so I look at it in a t- with a totally different lens, and I think a lot of other people might. I like this project because they turn around and that they worked out how to go and get get away from light fixtures, actually having these patches of light in people's gaze. So I'm sitting in the zero boardroom here and up in the top of my gaze, I'm seeing six or eight different patches of light. The idea of having these ramps and these strips, they give you that much more architectural planned feel to it. And the idea of a ramp of light has always been Mm. um, popular. And they highlight and they frame and it feels considered. And then the other thing that they've got is that there's a whole lens pack that goes onto these to actually change the way that they project. Is it a wide beam or a narrow beam? Uh, so that if they're in a commercial ins- installation and it's a very high ceiling, that they can still project the light down where it needs to go. Um, I think it's astounding. Um, another great product from Bright Green. Great to go see that they, they, 
they weren't just a two-trick pony or a three-trick pony. Yeah. They just have a design process that keeps them producing astounding stuff. What's um, the next project that uh, you've got on the list there? Uh, we've got Office Hub here. By Office Hub and Smart Robbie. Yeah. Now, this is, this is an interesting project here because when, we when we were doing our preparation before, we were talking, I thought that I was probably being a little bit more negative than I'd normally be about a project. And we kind of met at the same place, didn't we? Mm. Um, so I described it that it felt to me like the the whole idea of of the product was that it was meant to actually give you utility, but the nomination felt like I was getting marketing copy thrown at me about a product that was meant to be useful for me, and and those two different expressions didn't didn't sit as well with me. But then you said when you got in and you actually started to look at the website and you started to look at the functionality of it, you had to drill down a couple of layers, but all of a sudden it began to express that utility that we were hoping mm. that it would have. Yeah, I, f I felt that the quick search helped to be able to click on your area and then you're in layer two and actually it works. You get results and you can filter them and um, they're rel hyper relevant because you've chosen your area and then you've, you've filtered and, and then you get results that are probably useful. Um, I can I can see that on the primary pages, homepage in particular, that, that marketing have got their fingers in there and they've uh, probably written the copy for SEO and for whatever else and, and maybe the designer had the discussion that people don't read lots of copy on websites but marketeers often don't listen and I'm not criticising them necessarily, um, just that that's their business and a UX designer has other business and uh, you can see there's been a and maybe slightly unhappy merriment of the two yeah in this i think though that when when you go look at the overall project so there we then we're looking at one one of the expressions of it and i think that it behoves us to actually consider it beyond maybe some marketing copy there yeah. to, to drill in a little bit deeper. I thought it was an excellent execution as a product and its usefulness that mm. it would have. Yep. But uh, it is interesting that both of us had a little bit of a recall back about that it felt like it was something that which was more being done at us rather than for mm. us in that initial expression, which is an interesting thing that uh, we both are, both had that yeah. same moment there. And there's one thing I want to mention that stood out. On the map, the, the nesting of pins was done really well. It was, it was a great execution. Um, yeah, it was sort of a game of two halves, I think, that website. Well, let's not, let's not dwell on that. Now I want to go across to the customer experience company rebrand here. And it's actually done by the customer experience company. Now, we've got plumbers actually fixing up their own leaking taps here. Um, I think it's brilliant to go see this the work that they've done. They've spent a lot of time to go work out how to go and be as customer-centred, human-centred as they can be. Um, it's not an easy thing to go do when you're actually trying to go and brand your, yourself about customer experience using customer experience. It's very difficult to get that objective position. Mm. I think um, if that's the nature of your business, then everything you do speaks volumes. And if you don't do it really well... Um, people will obviously assume that that's how you deal with your clients as well, that you're mm. not going to treat them in the same way that you treat yourself. So I think you mentioned earlier about eating your own dog food. It's, it's, yep. it's, it really needs to, um, the brand needs to be conveyed and the attention to detail needs to be conveyed in everything you present 
And what I liked about this is that they're communicating to their current customers and their future customers that they're wanting to be contemporary and part of tomorrow. That's all what experience is about. You know, you don't want to tell people you're part of yesterday. You want to make sure that you're going to tell them, I'll be, I'll be a great partner to be That's with right. you tomorrow. So they've done a great job there. I agree. Now, um, uh, let's go across to our next project here. Grilled, the API yeah. development. Interesting one. Well, I, when I looked at this, I thought, I didn't know there was an app in the marketplace called Grilled. I thought, <laughs> gee, that's going to go pretty close to the, uh, to the um, hamburger people. Mm. And then I dug in a little bit deeper and I go, oh, it is the hamburger people. So then I, be, then I began to dig in and think, what does a hamburger chain that's got 100 outlets need an API for? And then my mind stepped into, why do you use an API? It's probably about the system design. It's about the elegance and the options that come from you when you have well-formed data that isn't you know, stuck in one particular environment. It's actually able to be transported around. And, and the potential that they've got to open up future possibilities are amazing. What I, what I did like was that if you think about having 100 stores and trying to update the digital signage screen in every store, that's enough reason to go and actually say, let's put a good transport in place. And if you're going to put a good transport in place, you'd start with an API. Now, I have spoken to the team at, uh, at Grilled, and they've told me a few things. So I'm going to flip the tables here. You know how you weren't able to tell me much before about what Zero were doing? I can't tell you much about <laughs> what they're doing here. So yeah. what was your impression when you looked at this? Oh, well, I was. Uh, I th- my initial thought was I probably wouldn't be able to comment much on APIs because it didn't feel like a design thing. But then when I think about the application and the impl- potential implementation of it, uh, you have lots potentially, I don't know if they've got a franchisee model, but if it was a franchisee model, it's a quality control measure. You can get information out there that's consistent to everyone. Uh, beyond the restaurants, you can get information out there to the shopping malls or whoever needs to promote your product or your, or your address or anything about you. You get to control things. Um, so it makes sense that they would do this. Yeah, so it's a really big thing to go and and actually try to coordinate that amount of information that uh, flowing around the organisation. I know that there's you don't just invest in an API if you've got one use for it. There's got to be a lot more uses that are coming out from this. This is a major strategic play. And we've spoken before about people who are using design to go and help them to play big. Um, I think this is a good case where these guys are saying, let's see if we can play big. They've got some contemporaries in the marketplace who are rising up um, because they're in that, say, boutique, still in that boutique um, size, probably almost capping out of it, but not not at the major size of a McDonald's or a hamburger um, or Burger King or, or those guys. It's smart what they're doing. It's in some ways unfortunate that they told me <laughs> what they're doing because I would speculate. love to go speak. <laughs> but now I know how you felt before when I was asking you questions. So, so let's go across then to our, our next project, which is uh, the Link Group One Company Connected. Um, I must say some of the titles of these projects uh, in, give you a bit of an idea that this must have been a struggle. This, this is trying to solve something inside the Link Group, uh, which wasn't an easy process for them. Um, it's beautiful work done by Group GSA. Environmental graphics to try to bring some cohesion in a new space as a new phase of the company. Thousand odd staff, they've grown like Topsy. You know, they must have lots of cultural challenges 
inside the organisation, not because there's, um, say, dysfunction and uh, and dissent, but actually just having a thousand people in a fast-growing organisation creates cultural challenges, particularly when your clients are picking up disruptive behaviours and changing the way that they're working. Um, I thought it was a brilliant project here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think it's great that there was a good concept behind the execution. Um, more often than not, things are slightly faddy or looking like, particularly environmental um, treatments, looking like Google offices or some other AN, other tech company, oh. and they resisted that. Um, I like the way that it flowed across multiple levels of the of the office space. Um, and as I said, there's an idea behind it, so it makes sense to me. Um, it feels like they've given the space an identity, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. No, I think it was it was a great great execution that's in there. Um, I I've been in the space. Um, it looks beautiful. And just as you said, imagine if they had got a street artist in to go do a little bit of corporate street art. It would have felt hackneyed. A bit uh, naff. This actually felt that there was some sophistication there. there I liked that the artwork actually reflected that uh, distributed network on the wall, which is part of how the company uh, company works. They get value that they create for internally and also externally through that distributed uh, network connection of products that they've got. I actually thought it was a really nice execution. Um, well done to them. I agree. Let's go across to BDO Melbourne here, BDO and uh, Unispace, their new interior design. Yeah, okay. Um, it's an interesting type of organisation in that they're a very traditional, probably very traditional organisation. They've certainly been around a while. Um, I, I thought that their finishing was, it looked as a, of a really, that it was of a really high quality um, a few splash, splashes of colour to give it that contemporary kind of look, but um, perhaps they're trying to make a statement about the culture and the way they are beyond the way they actually are and what the culture actually is. Now, you said also that you'd, um, uh, you've you had some experience with Unispace yourself with a, with a new Zero office, which That's is right. coming around. So you, you're obviously very familiar with the work that they go do. What I think is interesting here from a BDO perspective is BDO have always sat in that you know, top five to 20 accounting firms. Um, they're, they're not your big, big three or four, but they're actually they're up there. And we're seeing this time and time again that professional service firms are having to go from old boardrooms and longevity into agility and future. And so I think by getting in Unispace to turn around and, and actually give them a space that matches their needs, they've taken the first part of that journey. I think the next stage for them is what are they doing to actually make sure that they've got that human-centred innovation culture developing throughout BDO through workshops, executive briefings, um, some innovation um, uh, programs which are helping them to understand the journey that their customers are on. I don't think you can just put people in a, in a space and that they're going to be comfortable because they've been dropped into a space. I think there's organisational development work that needs to go on here. And uh, so in a couple of months' time, I think we'll follow up with BDO and actually and Unispace and find out where they're up to with that because it's, it's a beautiful-looking space. 
But if we're looking at the culture and strategy side, unless they do that follow-up, mm. they might have just bought a very nice Lamborghini that's sitting in the garage. Correct. And you only need to look at what their competitors are doing, especially the big four. Um, they're no longer accounting firms. <laughs> they do lots of other stuff now. No. And, and actually, I was, at, um, I was at one of their offices uh, recently, and I must say they are probably the best barista chain that I've ever been to. <laughs> uh, when I went and counted the number of co- coffee machines and baristas standing behind it, I was thinking the local traders must be upset because you've got a barista army in here. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Everything's changed. And we've got one in every building here at Zero. I think yeah, people understand the value of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into, I'm, it's, uh, it must be time for some food here. Uh, we'll go into Dynamic by Davidson Branding, a graphic uh, design three-dimensional uh, project, which basically for the uninitiated is coded language for packaging. Yep. It's a beautiful piece of packaging here. Yeah, I like what they did. They created a system. Um, they've used decent photography and they've made it unique and ownable um, and the packaging looks like it it differentiates, differentiates itself from others um, I think thumbs up they've done a good job yeah I, I read the, the brief and uh, the brief uh, was saying that the packaging had to be lickable and uh, and I must say last night I was cooking some dinner and uh, as I was doing that I I had a, a foil packet, and unfortunately it wasn't the dynamic, uh, so I didn't get to do the taste before I did the podcast here. But I noticed as I got to the end of squeezing the stuff out, there was a little bit up the top, and I didn't feel like licking that package. I would lick one of these packages. <laughs> um, so I think they've answered the brief there. Um, it pops. You know, if I go look at that and it was out on a shelf, the, the packaging... It just pops, yeah. and I think that's all important when you're trying to get people to go and actually get that reach reaction to go grab it and take it home with them. So a brilliant execution yeah, here by Davidson. Premium. Yeah, I agree. Yep. yep, absolutely. Now let's go across to something which is a slightly different um, gear here, the Architects Registration Board of Victoria. Um, it's a project that was done for the Architects Registration Board by Principal uh, Design. This is a really tough category for them to try and actually work out how do you put this together. Something like a registration board, they need to, they need to present that this, um, this profession is the ultimate authority in the particular profession that they're in, so in this case, architecture. So when they go and they explain things, you're going to have... Some of their members, so the registered architects, will be wanting to make sure that that 49th definition part that says that this is what an architect does, it's not just being a draftsperson, it's all these other things. They're going to want to make sure that that's expressed. But then if you're not a registered architect and you're not a pedant, you want to get quickly into, into the registration board site, work out what it means, work out where do you find a registered architect, what's the symbol that they use, and get on your journey. So they've got these two very different stakeholder groups that are in there, and I was watching the videos that were in there. The videos actually um, uh, give you an understanding that they had me at hello, and then they kept talking for the next 30 seconds about about a topic, And, and that to me was, that gave me an insight into the world that they're in. What I liked about the information architecture in the site was that they were able to give me these macro ideas and get down to that 49th inclusion, you know, uh, definition element. Mm-hmm. But I was able to move quickly through the site, 
but I didn't have to get caught up in that verbose information there. So a very different type of dual stakeholder communication project here. I think uh, principals have done a great job. It, and uh, we were talking about if it was just based on style alone, yeah. you'd say, awesome, they've got the visual style absolutely yeah. knocked. But I think they've also done more about that, the solution that they've provided in the system of quickly navigating in and dealing with both that absolute definition customer and also dealing with people who might just be the general public. They've done a brilliant job. Yeah, I agree. Um, as we said before, aesthetically it looks great. Um, navigation works well. So our last of our nine projects here is a bit of a beam me up Scotty here. Um, it's Beam Communications by Butterfly. So tell me your impression of the site. Well, um, my initial impression was that uh, the imagery used on the homepage was good. Um, probably stock imagery, but doesn't matter. They'd chosen the right style um, from the library. Um, then when I went a layer down, I have to admit, <laughs> and I've said this to you before, I didn't really like it. Okay. Um, I felt that it was, it looked like components from a CMS that had been applied but weren't necessarily designed that well or didn't fit together well. And, and that's, that's where I love these conversations with, with fellow designers, is then turning around and saying, yeah, if we were just looking at it as a retail website, we might say, yeah, maybe it isn't as sharp as some other retail websites we've seen. But I want to spin the wheel back a little bit and say, in this marketplace, the idea of selling satellite communications has always been through the channel, and it's been quite complicated through the channel. So you'd have to go speak to their BDM, and that expert would come in with tech sheets, That's and right, it, was yeah. a, it was a complicated sell. Yeah. And what I like that they've done here is that they've gone customer first, not channel first. And they've introduced the opportunity to democratise satellite communications. So if we were an arborist and we wanted to go actually um, go get a satellite phone so that we were in contact even when we're in the middle of a forest, we can do it. And I, I think that's fantastic because that opens up new business opportunities and also new markets for them. So it's, a, it's given that opportunity to democratise this product category. It's uh, put customer first, not channel first. I, th I think it's great. So that reflects that difference of it being about where the culture and the strategies come from, that context. It's not just about it, what does it look like from a craft and, and its execution? I think these people are on a much bigger journey and I'm really pleased to see they've had the courage to take the steps they've had. And probably a bit like you guys at Zero, there's always more that you can go do and it's now up to them to actually continue that momentum and see where we get to. So that brings us to the end of our, of our nine projects, Tony. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. Before we wrap up, I've got, a, I've got a couple of people I need to go thank. Without our supporters, we can't do this. So um, this week, I'd like a shout out to the team at Davidson, Unispace, Evolution 7, Principles, Group GSA, and Bright Green. Without their help, we can't do this. Without our community, with our listeners, we can't do it as well. And as I always say, be driven by design. Thanks for your time, Tony. Thank you very much.